0: What's up, it's Jeremy Picker from Amber Creative. This
1: is Deanna with In the Zoning and Print Girl Mafia.
0: This is Ray Weiss with Printing the Night of the Lions.
1: You're
2: listening to the Two Regular Guys
0: podcast. hosted by Terry Combs RG, regular
3: guy. And Aaron Montgomery.
2: The place to be for industry news. The best dad jokes on earth. Along with relevant topics to apparel
0: decorators. Fashion to the people.
3: Welcome to the show. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery from our
1: success group, and uh, my mission is to inspire you to build a business that you love. Um, And that's part of what we do here at Two Raider Guys, right? Just inspiring, uh, you know, bringing information, (laughs) nuggets. But then we also get an opportunity to You know, reminisce a little bit. We're starting to hair late here because we were just reminiscing and having a fantastic time uh, behind the scenes. We're like, hey, we should probably record this. But uh, today, Terry, we've got uh, our friend and mentor Scott Fresner, is going to be joining us, and uh, we we go way back. It's he was my start into the industry. uh, I kind of blame him for this, but um, (laughs) just kidding, Scott. But uh, we're we're excited to have Scott join us. we're going to obviously reminisce but scott's still very actively involved in lots of different things and so we're going to get to what what he's up to now and 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 just always a great time talking to scott terry absolutely
3: and it got my start as well i bought the how to print t-shirts for fun and profit book many decades ago written by scott and pat fresner and uh that's how i learned to screen print by flipping pages and trying this and trying that so looking forward to that and Uh, Make sure you stay to the very end and get your helping of the secret sauce. I'm going to be whipping up my recipe for DTG and DTF decorators. Why do you keep asking about my humidity? So stay to the end for that.
1: I've always wondered that, Terry. I'm going to stay to the end, I think, then. Awesome.
3: (laughs) I have the answer.
1: All right, I can't wait, and and this is a great time of year to uh, be asking that question. By the way, for you wouldn't know about this, Terry, but so, in the Midwest here, we actually turn on our heaters this time of year. And uh, <laughs> you cheap. know,
3: I had a meeting this morning, and somebody goes, "What are you wearing?" And I said, "I'm pretending it's fall here too." <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. All right, well,
1: Terry, uh, as usual, thank you very much to Cassie Green from the Apparelist for being our news reporter as she has uh, always shows up and and does a great job and and she's continuing so we're going to welcome her back in today and uh, so terry you ready to uh, get the news here yes let's hear from cassie
2: good morning everybody um as i was telling aaron and terry before the show started it's definitely fall here in colorado it's supposedly supposed to be like 68 degrees today, but it's a cool 45 right now. So I don't have high hopes. Um, Headlines for all of you today. First one, Vantage Apparel now offers DTF decoration. So kind of interesting to see a a blanks company making the leap. Um, Vantage Apparel, which I mentioned, known for its custom apparel for corporate and promotional branding, announces its next evolution in decoration, digital print transfers powered by direct-to-film technology. Fred Durand, the CEO at Vantage Apparel, states with digital print transfers, we're offering a game-changing solution for small order dropship programs that combines the benefits of digital printing with the versatility and durability of heat transfers. So again, love that we're talking about this later, Terry's talking about it later with the secret sauce and all that good stuff, um, continuing to see DTF really pushing the industry, very interesting. Second headline for all of you regulators this morning... What to expect at this year's Print Hustlers Conference. So we're a little late in the game sharing this headline, but for anyone looking to make last minute plans, Print Hustlers is happening this weekend in Newport Beach, California. Hosted by Made Lab and Intavo, the event promises to provide great networking opportunities with industry peers, according to Ryan Moore, who's a partner at Made Lab. Spanning across three days, day one will find attendees at the Printavo slash Inksoft User Summit held at Liquid Graphics in Santa Ana, California. And then day two will feature presentations from several speakers, including keynote speaker Nigel Barker, MC Justin Lawrence, and others. And then day three will be some shop tours. So really exciting event if you're in the California area. I was told there's still time to register last headline for everybody today um we've kind of stayed on top of this news champion business sees buyer interest so in september word quickly spread that haynes brands was considering the sale of its champion business the news of the potential sale came weeks after investor barrington capital group called on haynes brands to cut costs and debt and possibly appoint a new ceo So As for the sale, it's been reported that a potential buyer has emerged. Authentic Brands Group, which is a global brand development, marketing, and entertainment platform that owns more than 50 brands, has expressed interest. Um, In addition to Authentic Brands Group, global marketer WHP Global has also shown interest in purchasing the champion sportswear brand. That's according to CNBC. Um, Just a quick note, If Haynes Brands does decide to move forward with a sale, a buyer likely won't be named until 2024. So news that we're staying on top of, look to Apparelist.com to uh, get the latest on those updates and back to you guys.
1: All right. Thank you, Cassie. Appreciate you uh, bringing the news, some uh, interesting stuff there and, and, uh, I love that, uh, all, all those shares. So make sure you guys get over to apparelist.com and check out all the rest of the uh, wonderful content that they have over there. Cassie has uh, done a fantastic job with, uh, and, and a great team over there, but uh, Cassie certainly carries the flag
3: as the face of Apparelist in my opinion, Terry. So exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> the, uh, the Vantage uh, headline about offering DTF, I think we're going to see more and more of that as well. So
1: Interesting. Okay. All right. Maybe that's uh, something for the uh, end of the year show, Terry, put a little put a pin in that right yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what we I, expect I in uh, 2024 to Give
3: that, that one away because i'm gonna have to make my own list of what's coming <laughs>
1: yeah i just put that on my list terry so sorry about that
3: um <laughs> all right
1: well let's uh check in with some of the regulators here before we uh we get uh, on to the next phase here but uh we had cindy checking in bright and early this morning thanks for being with us cindy and Ramona uh, she says uh, sitting at 46 with a hoodie so uh, you again Jerry these are numbers you probably not heard before so then maybe I've, when it
3: hey I, I I've seen the leaves changing it's all on TV
1: okay all right good I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also have Greg Kitson checking in uh, gentlemen good morning so good to see Greg I I got yeah. to see Greg for about 30 seconds we were both late to something and we just said hi and passing in Atlanta. And uh, never was able to find them again, so uh, we'll have to remedy that soon. So good to see you yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yep, yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think I think we got it covered. Uh, we got Yosta checking in from Sweden. So appreciate him being here. And uh, ah, there we go. <laughs> Kim, come on. Uh, good morning. And it's chilly here. Had to put leggings on to go walk my puppies. <laughs> Kim Johnson, come on. It's not chilly there. You were from Oklahoma. You know better. <laughs>
3: hey it's only 8 a.m in arizona yeah, that's so. a good point. good point good point
1: all right well terry uh we have to continue to live up to this uh cassie has said in the intro that uh we do have the best dad jokes on the planet
3: so uh you yeah, raised that bar on us a
1: little bit there, yes so. yeah exactly so uh and you've been doing a great job so I, th- I feel like you've been carrying the flag for us there and and so let's not uh, let's not change that up you got another great one for us uh, and i love that you're going topical too terry
3: yeah, I thought I'd kind of uh, kind of see what we could do with uh, with with topical uh, discussions. Like, uh, for instance, it's Thanksgiving month, so I have a uh, Thanksgiving seasonal dad joke uh, ready for you.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it whenever you're ready, Eric.
3: Okay, uh, Aaron. So, what's the best song to play while cooking a turkey? I'm not sure about that one, Terry. It's uh, it's all about that bass, about that bass, about that bass, Aaron.
1: <laughs> I was wondering how much he would sing it, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't
3: write it all out. Yeah. <laughs> no. and, <laughs> and now the, that's the see, song uh, that's stuck in. Did my Eric head. explain it? He, he did. Means he, bait, did. Or he means. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no gobble. <laughs> <laughs> very very good. Uh, then I
3: can remember if we did that one last year about that. Ah, what the heck. Yeah. So, okay. all right. Great. Before we dive in, uh, Aaron, uh, let's thank everybody for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. We need your voices still. We have the some new intros. I have Brandon, what you guys heard today, but we would love to have the regulators participate in our show intros. So, go to decorators.ink I-N-K, forward slash intro and just read a few sentences so that you can be part of the show too. And uh, we are always looking for new guests. We, I think we're full through the end of the year, Aaron. Am I correct about that? Yep, but we're always uh, starting to get people into Q1, so get in there. Absolutely. So uh, looking for new guests. or you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to calendly.com forward slash two regular guys, the number two, <laughs> to book a future episode. Or email info at two regular guys with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the Two Regular Guys podcast with all of your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And we would appreciate you giving giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, YouTube Podcasts. We are everywhere, thanks to Aaron. And uh, those reviews really help us out. So we would love if you guys would go do that. If you're watching us live right now, Please join in with your comments and your questions for Mr. Scott Fresner. And uh, if you have any reminiscing you'd like to do, I I, I got in late and these guys were already – Deep into reminiscing about uh, past trade shows, back when trade shows were really, really cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I think we made them really cool, but that's, uh yeah. You know, I think it was, story, yeah, it was yeah. us, uh, yeah. For sure. So, um, and Dan, Dot uh, Tone Dan, jumping in. Terry, and I apologize. I was giggling while you were reading some of that. I wasn't laughing at you reading it. Uh Kim Johnson said, uh, I'm glad that he's not cooking a turkey.
3: So, for We're having ham. We're having ham, actually. All right, there you go.
1: All right, all right. Well, Terry, let's let's get into this here. We've got lots to talk about, and uh, so Terry, you ready? Let's welcome into the show Scott Fresner, and he's with T Biz Network International. And welcome in, Scott. Thank you so much for being here. You got me up early. Terry and I are
0: on the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what the hell? I gotta get up early for this thing. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. By the way. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're excited you know, about.
3: B- before we even ask questions, Scott, what what made you think it was a good idea way back when to put me and Aaron uh, sharing the room and on the road for?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys bonded. I tell you what. <laughs> we did, yeah. The older guy and the young the young kid, you know, because you guys were much younger then. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. I was looking right. with Aaron earlier that he was just the this, this skinny guy that came in to sell me uh, catalogs. He was yeah. a you he were worked, he worked for a company called CMYK, I think it was. Yep, that's right. And uh, you came in and we we kind of got off talking and stuff. And I was looking for a for a salesman, and I thought this this is a young guy, he's eager. <laughs> I said, you're, "You're looking for another job," and so uh, that's how it evolved. That's how I, how I met Aaron was he's walked in my door trying to sell me catalogs.
1: Yep. You know, so. yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the rest is yeah history, which we're going to talk about. But
0: uh, Scott, well, I thought Terry would corrupt you, but I and I think maybe that happened. You know, because yeah. Terry kind of a party animal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I thought Terry was
1: supposed to come in to bring a little maturity to the sales department, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I don't
0: know what happened. During there. The day, yes, but when you guys went out at night, you know, you guys. Were... <laughs> yeah. And, well, and what I said,
3: you Scott, was. Uh, was I I make sure that everybody's back to the hotel before I go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what shape we're in is a different story.
0: (laughs) We had some fun times. You know, as we we were talking before we started, that our life revolves around what trade show we were at. When you talk about memories in the industry, oh, we were at that, we were at St. Louis, or we were at, you know, an ISS show. And some of the memories are what year was it and what show was it. Yeah. And uh, lots of memories, lots of good yeah, times.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, okay, Scott. So we, we don't normally do the, the whole bio thing here. We, what I want to do with you is maybe uh, get into that time machine. We, I'd, I'd love to learn, you know, t- tell our listeners about your early days, right? When you were kind of making your own transfers as you were putting the, how to print t-shirt for fun and profit book together, just kind of give us how
0: it all began for you. Uh. As you know, and I told you I was going to pump my band. I played rock and roll in my early. I met my I met Pat playing at a bar. I was at a I was in a hot band at a, at a bar at ASU on Mill Avenue, a place called the Pitcher House, and uh, we were the hot band. And I met Pat there. Uh, been married fifty six years, uh, but I was in a band, and and then um, and what, we got married. And I wanted to do a recording studio, so I start I opened the recording studio on on a very limited budget. There's no money in it. Although I did rent a uh, rehearsal space to Alice Cooper on their first tour because I'm the same age as Alice, Vince. And uh, we all, we go see his band, he comes see my band. And so we all knew each other. Uh, but in the back, some guy approached us one day, says, hey, I've got these tape duplicators that I'll make you a deal. We mean tape duplicator? He had an eight track tape duplicator. And so we, <laughs> we bought the duplicator, put it in the back room. And as is my history, normally, I was one of the biggest bootleggers in the Southwest. We were running 24 <laughs> hours a day bootlegging eight-track tapes. And so the long story of is, that I, I I was selling to a guy who worked fairs that did shirts. There was Junkie Jim, and I sold Jim uh, eight-track tapes. And so... At the end of the day, I decided to get out of that business, and I traded him a bunch of 8-Track tapes for a heat press and a box of transfers. And these were Roach and Hollaback, and those that that are newer would never know these names. But back then, only a few guys making transfers. And so I got in the business by trading 8-Track tapes for a heat press and transfers. I'm working the flea market now. And I had a busy stand all flash, as you guys know, whenever we did stuff, at the <laughs> shows, it all looked great. And the guy down the, down the way at the, at the flea market was a screen printer. And he came down because he was never busy. He just stood there in his booth and he goes, ah, Scott, I don't know how you do it. You're so busy. Once you come over to my shop, that was the biggest mistake he ever made. And probably the turning point of my life, because I went into the guy's shop and I saw guys doing this, making, making transfers. And screen printing and he had a homemade dryer with heat lamps and he had all homemade equipment and i'm thinking i could do that <laughs> and so as i'm walking better better there's a screen printing magazine sitting on his on a counter <laughs> and i grabbed it <laughs> stuck it in my briefcase and left <laughs> and inside was the uh, uh ads for advanced process because back then advance had this catalog like that you could you could learn so much just by reading the advanced process catalog Okay. And that was how it started. I went home, built a dryer using heat lamps and uh, worked out of my garage. And uh, next thing you know, I'm doing transfers for one of the biggest T-shirt wholes- wholesalers called Copeland, who now is McCrary's Tees. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Copeland's old McCrary's and the McCrary's own uh, were owned. And they all got together and uh, making transfers for them. But the, the irony is I was making Mickey Mouse, the Fonz, Snoopy, <laughs> all the beers. I was bootlegging again. <laughs> so I, I thought I'd get out of this, the one business too, uh, because my kids were young then. And uh, so I started working on my garage. We then, we then grew the business, moved into a shop, moved a couple of times. Uh, and then I sold the business to McCrary's. Uh, I thought that was kind of burnout running 24 hours a day, babysitting the shop all the time. Yeah. And uh, people kept calling me, Scott, will you come teach us? Will you come show us how to do it? And I thought, well, that's, there's a book there. I'd read a, a, a book by uh Norman Vincent Peale or somebody about getting, getting rich. And he says, uh, to, to be successful, be an expert in your industry and write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so there it, oh, is. Wow. There it <laughs> is. And Terry, you said you had a copy, Greg Kitson. I know you're online here. You had a copy. Uh, I can't tell you the people I bump into not anymore. I don't go to shows that much anymore, but it would come up and say, Hey, I got your book. Uh, in fact, stories like that, a guy named John who owns Liquid Blue, I can't think of his last name, Liquid Blue. There's they're the they're a small company. Uh every time I'd be at a show and even in the last eight or nine years, John would come up and say, Hey Scott, you know, I got your book and you sold me my first press. You know, and you think about the people that I've touched, you know, with the book. Yeah. So we wrote a book and then you know, the rest is history. I I sent a copy to um uh, impressions magazine they'd they'd already had one show in dallas and uh, i sent them a copy as a news release and they called me right away hey you want to come speak at our show so my wife and i take a red eye to the next dallas show and i wasn't afraid of speaking because being in a band and all that i I didn't have any problem getting in front of people and i remember though opening the door to the room and uh there was 500 people in the room because there were no books out then there was nothing out where you could learn anything it, the yep. trade magazines were new i mean even the trade shows were new You used to go to a gift show if you wanted to sh- sell shirts yeah. uh and impressions started off and it it, it opened up the, the floodgates and i remember uh doing the seminar and it was like a three-hour seminar but people were just oh dying for information and i remember coming out of that thinking there's a market there <laughs> <laughs> and uh pat and i went home and uh decided we'd open the school you know that if i can have 500 people at a trade show they'd probably come to a class and you guys know that we did classes every month you know right right for sold 30 out. years almost and out. every month yeah. sold out every month i mean i i did a count one time because sometimes we did a couple classes we did classes with spider we did some advanced classes we did classes with charlie charlie taught for us for a while and uh I think we had 15,000 plus students over the years. And even now, even though I don't go to shows as much, I get that that email all the time. I came to your class back in 1985. You know, usually it's, remember me? I'm the guy that took the bus from New Orleans, you know. So, uh, if they have a story like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I do remember you. Oh, sure. You, tell, you know the drill. It's like an atracial. When you don't remember their name, you you your eyes flick down to the badge. The minute they look away, your eyes will catch that badge. Bob, how you doing Bob? You know, (laughs) and they're going, how the hell do you know my name? And so it's one of those trade show tricks that those that are going to the shows don't know that that's how we did it. So,
3: yeah, you know, I'm going to try not to ruin us too much, but I had somebody come up to me, a trade show here just in in the last year and big, tall young man. And, and he goes, "I, I know you don't remember me, but, but I came to the U.S. screen printing class and I was the eight year old kid sitting in the back of the class watching videos. While my parents took the class, I'm like, That's oh my God, funny. I do remember you. He goes, That's I funny. just wanted to come by and say hello and shake your hand. It's just I love
0: it. You know, man. we we had so many people now that are like look at uh, look at Pete Balsani Pete's the uh, what the poster child for the digital squeegee Pete came to class when he was 18 years old uh Tom Rowan came to class I didn't know that till a couple years ago when Tom told me that he came to class he went back and started his business in his his basement uh uh, his parents basement and so I think of the people that came through the class that that then you know we could only teach them out of screen print and give them some some uh some uh, a good feeling about it but many of them had good business sense. So they would go home. Yeah. And then, then we had the repeaters who would every couple of years come back to class. I just need that one more thing I missed. <laughs> I was kind of joke They will never start a business.
3: <laughs> <You know. laughs> We're going to talk about starting a business. If, well, if, Scott, if, I, gotta, I have to tell you something about your book. And I know I've told you this in the past, but I remember, and this is four decades ago, I pointed at, at your book on my desk and I said to my wife, this guy's got it figured out. He doesn't do it. He tells other people how to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that
3: started me on my road. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah,
0: funny. That's awesome. Anyway, awesome. it's been a fun ride. I mean, we sold probably ten thousand books a year there in in the in the day, and even up till the last five or six years, we sold them. But then then people don't buy books anymore. The book sales just declined and declined. We used to buy ten thousand books at a time from the printer because you have to to get the price down. Then I would be buying five thousand books, and it just declined so much that finally I made it an ebook. I, you know, I, I embedded some videos, and I gave it away for almost two years. My ebook. Just in the last couple of years, I gave it away and probably had two thousand downloads because people weren't buying books. They all go to YouTube now. You go to YouTube now. There's lots of guys that are way younger than me, younger than all of us. You know, that are. That have two hundred thousand views, you know, yeah. and so the whole thing has changed, and people don't buy books anymore, and it's it's too bad.
3: But they're they're teaching all that same misinformation that's been around for <laughs> for the
0: last four you know years. I watch some of the videos and I, I cringe a little bit. You yeah. know, I don't want to be the old guy, the grouchy guy. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, let's
1: let's let's talk to you. We've got people tuning in here that are ch- catching us live. Yosta yeah, says uh, hi to Scott from Sweden and thanks for all the help. Yeah, my um, pleasure. Yeah. And Greg Kitson says, My first Scott encounter was in 1980, and I bought three yards of uh, <laughs> 10X fabric and a quart of red union ink. And he still has that
0: original invoice framed on his wall
3: that's so funny very cool greg yeah that's cool union inc
0: owes me it owes me of course they're now you know they got bought richard died daniel moved off into the sunset but you know we used to pump you guys know we used to pump union at the classes and uh, i still get people that say i still use union inc because i use it at your school you
1: know yeah well cassie had that news item about haynes and i thought immediately of that too i at least during my time there we haynes was like giving us shirts as, as fast as they could because oh, they yeah. knew that once people use those shirts they were going to come back and keep using them
0: it is funny how i i had uh somebody told me that you know that if, if they use a product when they're first starting out they'll they'll stick with that and so with the union E thing the Haynes thing or the workhorse thing we used to have dan come over from workhorse and and uh, talk about equipment yep. and stuff yep. and so it was uh and when we made equipment it was a big deal i mean we at one time i was making equipment and uh it was a, uh, it was clean. We we would do the class and maybe grow us, I don't know, 5000 five or six thousand dollars for the class fee, but we would sell them thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of equipment, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, it was it yeah. was a fun ride. We had a good yeah,
1: time, definitely. And then Susan uh says, I still have my book, and uh and then she also says, and the friends we made and still have through your website chat and hanging out at your booth at the show. So There's all that, too, Scott.
0: (laughs) You guys were with us when we started uh, ScreenPrinters.net. Yeah. And uh, I used to get pissed off at Michael, my son, because Michael did it. Michael, you know, we, we all know Michael was there. Sometimes he didn't work too hard in the company, but he would be in his office working on this thing called the Internet. And, and we had one of the first websites. I mean, I remember telling the people at Haynes, we, you know, you need to be on the internet and Haynes is going, "Eh, we aren't sure. So we registered actually Haynes initially, not to steal the name, but to, to to get it. I remember telling Al Anderson at SGIA, this is like 1993, 94. Uh, You guys need to be on the internet. Oh, we're on Genie and other things. And I'm going, you know, you need to be on the internet. I have a website. Oh, well that, that's our five-year plan. And that would be not, as you guys know, on Scott time. Scott time was, well, let's just friggin' do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so but I remember <laughs> Michael would we'll be, in his <laughs> yeah, Michael <laughs> would be, though, in his office. He would be uh, on his chat, chatting with, he remember came in and said one day and says, Hey, I ran into a guy in Hawaii named Doug, and we're going back and forth, you know, and so Michael, uh, fueled the whole thing by being on the chat almost 24 seven and meeting friends and making friends. And I'd get pissed off that Michael wasn't working, you know, <laughs> doing out there about assembling TJs or whatever. And, uh, but he was, he was, uh, working the room and, yeah. uh, you know, it was the only place now there's everything like, you know, even, you know, I got Facebook groups, but back then, those are, those that are younger don't know that back then there was nothing. Yeah, yeah. We were the guys, we had the website, we had the, the uh, screen net and, uh, it was great, you know, but I, I have to thank Michael for that.
1: Yep, that's a good call. Yep, yep definitely absolutely. was a big part of, at least, you know, because I came around in 2000. So that was, you know, big part of what was happening there at, uh, oh, at big US time. screen at that point.
0: Yeah, you were actually my, because you were more tuned in to some of the newer things. I think you were the first one to show me maybe even YouTube. You know there were things that that you were more into than I was not into because I'm all I was busy either marketing or running around or consulting yeah. and you were kind of my guy that I thought well Aaron will will keep me young, <laughs> 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 tuned into what's what's happening right there right then because Facebook yeah. back then Facebook I'm never sure if Facebook was out in 2000 I'm thinking. It
1: it was pretty early if it was yeah if I remember right I mean there was MySpace was definitely out
3: oh yeah, there. yeah 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 and that, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah I need to yeah. check on my MySpace yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah on your wall. Yeah, on your wall. Um, Uh, Scott, I remember your daughter Michelle making fun of me for not knowing what YouTube was. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, that's like Uh, this podcast thing, Terry. I said, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast?" And you're like, "Sure." What is it? What is the podcast now?
3: (laughs) Ten years later. Oh, my
1: my wife just brought. I've got my stack of how to print books that I've kept over the years. (laughs) You do. These are newer ones,
3: but uh, Yeah. yeah. A new one every two years, as I recall. So, yep, yep, but yeah, let's, um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about another product, Scott. Yeah. Um, your brainchild, Fast Film Separation Software, that uh, Aaron and I uh, made a lot of money uh, selling at trade shows
0: for you. <laughs> so, so
3: before, before you was- walked
0: in, oh no, you came in. We were talking about I would do my pitch at the shows, my non stop Scott demos, and you guys would stand over there with your hands out. And that was always the <laughs> joke because well, you're, that meant you were waiting for a credit card. And exactly. We'll just walk up and hand you the yeah. credit card. Yeah. We would do. Dude, I, I put credit cards between
3: my fingers sometimes. Okay, <laughs> John Smith, you know, come on up here. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it was like the cattle to the slaughter. I yeah. you know there was some shows we did seventy or eighty thousand dollars. I mean, I remember. Yeah. I remember we had the booth and they had the the door on the booth for our grid work, and yep. we would write what we did at a trade show. I don't yeah. know where that, where that ended up. Some some auction somewhere the fast films evolved for because i was teaching seminars and i was teaching around the world how to do it in fact mike and i uh, got sgia to let us uh, rent computers for a seminar we did uh, seminars at iss where we rented computers wow. and taught it and i i one day realized i'm doing the same things over and over again and then a guy named charlie Fassini, who 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 you have a love hate with sometimes came out with spot process for fifteen thousand dollars and i'm looking at it and going well God, I can automate what I teach people. It's just an automation and it takes the knowledge of what you've got from a separator. Cause we used to teach separations on the camera. And so I came out with fast films for $1,500. And I think in the first year we sold a thousand copies. I should have just kept doing that. You know, if I look at my, <laughs> <laughs> but no, <laughs> so uh, it evolved from that. And then the, uh, now it's called T-SEPs, and I still sell it. I mean, I sell it every day. Not every day, I wish I sold it every day. Uh, <laughs> but I, I get people that have been with fast films and they evolved to t and then I just bring out my, my newest version. And so I still sell it. The the The, the people that think that I am uh, retired, I am not retired. Every day I'm doing color separations. Uh, I have one guy I've done over 2,000 steps for. He's been a customer for 10 years. I mean, I just nice. every day I'm doing separations, talking to the screeners, discussing everything. Every day, I talk to people that have either Fast Films or TCEPs, and so I'm active. I just quit going to shows and Printing United. You guys went to, and I didn't know what that was there for me. You know, we had the Academy lunch that now we have to pay for because there's no budget <laughs> for us old guys. You know, and it's, yeah. it's- you are that grippy old guy. Wait, I am, I am. I'm <laughs> getting very cynical. <laughs> well, Fast Films, as you guys know, because you were there selling the hell out of it, it was a cash cow. I mean, yeah. it was. It was a clean deal, and yeah. uh, and I get Whoa. people that, that 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 I have one company that has fifty licenses for TSEPs that, that start off with fast films, and then their complete art staff, you know, has you know copies. It, it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and it, but the, the the beauty of it is is you didn't have to be an artist
3: to to be a high end screen printer by using fast films get get it on your screen the way you wanted to appear on the shirt. Yeah press the button and and yeah. there are the steps and
0: follow the directions. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you guys know how many people have, have, would come up at a show and say, God, I love their program. You know, it's taking me to a new level, you know, and that was always to me a reward. I like to think I've helped people in this industry. And yeah. I think with fast films and t if you like that topic, by the way, I'll give you the the, the blatant pitch. It's T-Seps.com. Uh, you know, check it out. I got a free trial. It's you know, my problem is Adobe keeps mucking things up. They took out some of the Pantone things. They're having a pissing contest with Pantone. So now they want to force you to buy a a monthly service with Pantone to use Pantone colors. And so they've mucked the whole thing up. Yeah. And so it's hard to keep up with some of that stuff. I find I'll go for a year and there's nothing. And all of a sudden Adobe will make a change or Apple will come out with like their new silicone M1, M2 processors and you know it's, it's hard to keep up with it but i think we've we changed the industry with that i mean the search behind me were done by me but they were done with with uh with t you know and it's 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 it was a good ride uh, you yeah. know but now there's online services there's lots of guys doing you know actions that probably ripped off my actions you know my my routines and stuff and <laughs> repackaged them yeah it is it is what it is you know?
1: yeah well I, I you know at the time i didn't know anything really about screen printing i was just you know i knew when your pitch was going to get
3: done and terry and i would run over to the order <laughs> desk right so <laughs> yeah, all the other sales but, guys were like how, how do you guys write so much business and we would just we we when the Ginzu knives came out we would make our way over <laughs> to the order desk and there's two of us the Ginzu knives order after order. after order.
0: i wish i had them the people that don't know that story that that are, are new to the industry don't know that i had a, i had a, i bought some Ginzu knives at like a you know, some store somewhere. And my end of my pitch would always be, and yeah, if you buy today, I'll throw in the Ginsu knives. <laughs> and I never we never did. We only once said, we never gave we it. Everybody, had everybody we asked. had people ask us, us every ask, time. But, get my Ginsu knives.
1: Yeah. So, we uh, did have people ask all the time. Would, but what about those Ginsu knives? Okay. It yeah. was a joke It people. It's okay. Yeah. If, <laughs>
3: if, if, if you're, was, you're 35 or younger, look it up on the internet. <laughs> <ginsu knives. laughs> what's, a, what's a Ginsu knife. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure it's on
1: YouTube somewhere though. So yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, okay. So we've talked a little bit about the the classes some, but uh, Jan says here earlier, she says, my sister, I attended your classes in the early 2000s. We decided to add screen printing because we couldn't find, sorry, we got Scott covered up there Um, because we couldn't find a decent one in our area. It was July and needless to say, it was warm. (laughs) I remember having the German guys over in July one time and they were freaking out but anyhow my favorite memory is my flip-flops literally melting to the asphalt as we walk to the deli probably munchamania, for lunch uh-huh. right? and and she still has the book so um but but scott you you kind of shared with us a little bit about kind of how those things evolved but what i thought was also interesting when i first started you know i went to screen printing class and bob alabaster was actually teaching it i think he was it liquid art does that sound right uh pure art pure, pure art, art thank you yeah right. you're right you're right um and so how did that all evolve like you said you had people teaching terry you know came on and, and teaching how, how did those classes evolve from kind of what you were doing into you kind of having your i don't know i call it like a coach's tree in the nfl right you've got your tree of teachers yeah. that kind of
0: learn from you i think as a business grew, i needed more of my attention and and as i kind of Felt that the classes, you know, because the T, the TJ came out, and you know, we grew fast, and so uh Bob was a great guy, and you know, rest in peace, Bob. You know, he 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 was a great guy and a funny mm-hmm. guy, and he was a quick learner, and he was he became, I think, like Terry when you came on, you were kind of helping in the class, right? You know, which so you, I think you you have even uh, told some of my jokes. And I think Bob (laughs) even told some of my jokes because you you worked with me and it became obvious that, you know, there's sections you could teach because you have the experience and stuff, too. And so it just evolved that way. And then, of course, towards the end, you know, uh, I I would come in and make my grand entrance and maybe talk about marketing because that's that's one of my strengths. And you guys would do all the grunt work and set up and tear down, and Michael would help out. And it became like, oh, we got to do a class. You know, let's pick up the room. You know, we got to make coffee. Who's going to get the donuts? Yeah. You know. And uh, but we made a lot of friends over that over the years. I mean, you know, we, I think we touched lives, and then, then it yeah. kind of evolved, and then the TJ came into play, and and then we went from, uh, where did we go from? a year in in sales because we were selling fast films and we were selling the rip. Uh, And I remember the rip was one of the first thing I was with one of the first guys to have a rip. I ran into a company called Cadillac who knew who knew who they were. They had this thing called photoscript and you guys were there during that time. And uh, it would do halftones and they're like, what's a halftone? They'd inherited this thing from a guy named Dave Evans in the UK. And they became a good friend. And uh, I remember wasting boxes and boxes of film you know to make it work right with the epson 3000. how many epson three thousands you think we sold oh, oh my god, god.
3: I, yeah was best, just
0: hold your hand out there take the money you know yeah. i remember when a truck showed up with 17
3: of them that we had ordered but they they weren't making them anymore those 17 me and aaron and bill strange sold that day oh hey, sure it truck was just like, pulled up. we've got another
0: one we <laughs> were the first guys with the uh the waterproof film uh, we were the first guys with really an affordable rip. There's other rips out there, color, yeah. you know, that are more expensive for for bigger for bigger formats and stuff. But we yeah. were the first with affordable for the masses, you know. And so, uh, if you look back to the things that that U.S. screen was the first at, we yeah. were the first at a lot of stuff. And maybe we didn't invent it, but we we knew how to package it for a screener and talk that language. Guys yeah. like Cadlink would never know how to talk to a screen printer, you know, yeah. about whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that was the key to the. We'll talk about the T jet and stuff in a little bit, little bit. But I also believe that was the key to the T jet is that, you know, the, you took the technology and and put the understanding of what it took to print a T shirt. Yeah, I, I didn't invent
0: it. I mean, people think that maybe I'm I'm the father of the affordable DTG, but it really, if, if you guys were there, again, Mark Momarquette. Mark was a uh, uh, what was this company Belquette, uh,
1: Belquette, yeah. Uh,
0: Mark and his brother had the patent on uh, inkjetting on fingernails called Imaginail. And Mark came up to the booth in like, I think it was late 2003 at a show. I didn't know who he was. And he says, hey, I I think I can make a machine that'll inkjet directly on shirts. Are you interested? And you guys know me. I'm like, where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so Mark says, well, I'll do this and I'll make it. And, and, you know, and we'll manufacture it for you and blah, blah. And so I, he, he said, I did, but I haven't got a lot of money. So I sent him an, I bought an Epson 1400. I think maybe we had it on the shelf, send him a printer six months later. And I told Mark going in, I, I like this whole thing, but I'm going to sell the ink. Cause I knew that was where that's how the inkjet printer guys make their money. They sell the ink, they sell the printer right. for not much money. And, uh, Six months later, I'm still waiting to see a prototype and I'm kind of getting nervous because I'd already booked a booth at uh, uh, SGIA in Minneapolis in, in October of 2004. I remember these days vividly. And and so uh, we flew to Tampa, I think it was a show in Tampa, and we go look at this machine and it's this, you know, mess of thing. But it was printing on a piece of wood, nothing to even hold a shirt. And I'm thinking this is this uh, this has gone nowhere. And then Mark says, and my brother and I, we want to sell the ink. Thank you very much. <laughs> you <know. laughs> I come back and I go online and I find a company in uh, Japan called Mastermind. You guys know, I mean, yep. you guys were there. You, yep. you were, I don't think people know that you were there for all of these things that, that, that are now are just mainstay in the industry. Yep. And so I got a machine air freighted in from Mastermind. It printed on wood. It had a holder. I, I you put the, but they didn't, they didn't know what really print on shirts. And it printed on a shirt, and I mean, you know, we're like, holy crap! Uh, now I, we're using we're using off the shelf Epson ink. We knew that wasn't going to happen, uh, but a guy named Grant French, who yeah. you guys know, was our dealer for Fast Films and for uh, yeah. the Rip, I he saw had a little company. Yeah. And I I look online, I'm searching, searching, searching. And I find Artistry Ink from Dupont for white format. I contact Dupont. You think this will work in a small uh, desktop inkjet head? And Grant uh, calls me. Hey, this is Grant. I'm now working for Dupont. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, I think it'll work. My guys think it'll work. You know. And so uh, we sold the hell out of it. How many of the the red machines do you think we sold? I think oh. we sold a thousand the first year. You yeah, easy. Yeah. Easy. And we didn't have white ink, so we didn't know the, that that uh, that hell was about to descend on our on our lives.
3: You know? <laughs> well, Scott, before we take a commercial break here, I, I do want to say, and I remember that day printing uh, that uh, that first T shirt, and I turned to you and said, "I think everything just changed." And yeah, you said, "I it, think it has." It was
0: one of those moments where we're like, "Holy crap! Look it's what like we a, have here." on the first telephone you know oh oh yeah it was like yeah watson come in <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a fun time we can we, we take a break we'll talk about the white ink real quick when we, yeah. when we get all
1: right yeah yeah let's take that quick break and we'll come back and, and catch that so eric whenever you're ready sir
0: hi i'm lewis montgomery i want to tell you all about my dad's new book the fundamentals of business success he wrote it to have small business owners like you fall in love with your business
1: hey thank you lewis yes that's right I was just tired of watching these small businesses be overwhelmed, just struggling, and ultimately underpaid because they just didn't have a strong foundation to build off of. They were trying to create their business the way somebody else created their business, and they were never going to catch up. It's not just about making money. It's about having fun and building something you're truly passionate about. My dad's new book
0: breaks down everything into a 13-step cycle with plenty of practical applications so you can start taking action right away. Grab your copy at OurSuccessGroup.com forward slash FBS book. Whether you're just starting out or looking to spice things up in your current business, this book will become your guide. Don't miss out on your chance to get this book at the introductory price, only available at OurSuccessGroup.com forward slash FBS book. Great job, Lewis,
3: and That's your son?
1: that is that's my uh that's my so, younger I'm son so
0: proud <laughs> yeah
1: I, I am too oh <laughs> you know, my we God. play that mainly just because of that <laughs> no but
0: that's fantastic he's great
1: yeah thank you thank you hey i, I know we're gonna get into the white ink stuff but i wanted to make sure we caught some of the comments over here um greg kitson said pure art with jeff jenot I, I remember jeff also yeah yeah um and then um, i talked
0: to jeff just last week i have a post-it note here that dinner with jeff uh, in nice some way.
1: awesome well, and then uh, Dot Tone Dan says, Scott, you've helped a lot of people build an industry community, put more food on their tables, put better clothes on their kids, uh, drive decent cars, have a good life, make their processes better, run a good business, and so much more. Thank you. Um, and then uh, Nino, here's another blast from the past. Uh says, I'm I'm one of those German guys visiting you in July. And yes. I remember Nino. Year. Nino. I remember you. Yeah. He was awesome. He is awesome. Uh, we we were freaked out, but I fell in love with Arizona. I want to thank Scott for learning a lot from him and Aaron for sending me to Las Vegas. Thank you for everything. Uh, Greg Greg asks, uh, what year did the New Orleans SGIA cancel and US Screen put together an open house within a few weeks, and you demoed the twenty up T jet? I think we're we're heading that way here. It was
0: uh, Katrina whatever year yeah, Katrina so was. was that 2005 2006 yeah something like that because uh katrina hit and of course the convention center was flooded and blah 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 and so it's like september the show is going to be october so there's people who even had sh- already shipped stuff to the show yeah. and so uh, sgi uh did a last minute thing here in phoenix and so we had the open house the, the company band played and uh we bust them in from downtown because people you know it was a great little show and uh, yeah, yeah that was that was good. Yeah
1: um so let's see here and then grant uh okay uh frazier says great vid- video wonderful to see scott's smiling face so
0: frazier my buddy <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah it is we had some fun times at fespa terry was there i remember i think we were because because fespa always did these huge parties you know i remember the party well they oh my god i mean it, it paled what, what, what this industry does, but, but Fespa Dollar said, he, and Frazier was the guy. And then, then Frazier got Frazier. I know you got ousted or whatever the hell they did for you. It, my, I, I cried when you left because I love going to Munich and Hamburg and places like that to do a Fespa show.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Berlin. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Berlin drinking those. Like uh, uh, what do we have? <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh gosh, yes,
0: I remember that. <laughs> wow.
1: Uh, I, well, I just man. always remember drinking coronas over there because it was an import, right? <laughs> I didn't even
3: see it until Facebook. There's a Facebook picture. We all have German beers and there's Aaron with a with a corona light. Well, <laughs> corona. ask Nino. That's what import. they all
0: drank over there. So <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a great show. We had our or we stayed at I forget it was someplace called like the Continental or something and we 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 drank every night after the show and uh, took the, I think we took the train or the subway to the shows I right? yeah, sh- did. every the train yeah I remember taking the train to the show yeah, yeah. Madrid was the same way we had a good time we take the train to the to the we 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 traveled a lot <laughs> it was, it we was did pretty, yeah. yeah. No. And
3: then, and then, so many shows here in the U.S. I mean, it seems like we were gone all the time. But man, we, we shared a, we we worked really hard. We sold a lot, and we had a really good time too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we
0: did. We had we had some fun times. Made a lot of friends. Yeah, you know. Yep, definitely.
3: Remember, well, Scott? Do you remember you would throw us out of the booth at the end? Because now I just need to stop and think about it. You guys go. I go. <laughs> well, make sometimes sure everything is too much commotion. And, you know, you yeah. got
0: all this input and stuff. And, and, and you know, at the end, we would take in a semi full of. I mean, we would take in a full semi truck. You know, full of gear. Yep. And uh, I always joke. You know, I was always the. I think. The first one there, and they called it the concrete. You get to a show, and it's the hall, and the concrete's Mm -hmm. taped off, and maybe the carpeting isn't down yet. And in our case, because we had equipment, usually there'd be no carpeting quite yet, no electrical. I'd be the first guy there. And you all know, I I told them I'm going to pump my band, but my band is very similar. When the company closed, I missed that razzle-dazzle of being the guy, put this here, put that there, put the rocks in the rock pile. And now with my band, I get to a performing arts center, and they've got these huge stages, and it's a blank stage. And you walk in and it's like a trade show it's exactly the nice. same feeling of okay we're going to put the speakers here we're going to put the drum riser here and i i'm in my element i've told my guys in the band they wonder how do you do all this stuff because i did this for years yes. at convention centers where we'd show up yeah. and you'd have this blank slate and so uh that's what the band does it fulfills that need i think <laughs>
3: yeah i remember in vegas uh, we had 17 skit or 17 crates on wheels uh lined up that we we set up and tore back down again we were like carnies we were we were, we were, we were. taking down the tents on the last day
0: we were <laughs> definitely so and so uh yeah yeah i mean i think at we had the biggest shows at sgia we would have well the biggest booth we ever had i think was 50 by 50 at uh before the company closed it was one of the last iss shows i think the, i think it was a 50 by 50 booth and, that, and i think we had maybe two semis full of gear you know for all the, the crates and stuff so anyway it My was God. a fun ride yep it made, made money yeah it was it was great
1: <laughs> well terry where do we where do we go next terry?
3: Well, I, uh, you know, we, already, we, we already jumped ahead and talked T-Jet. so let's talk about i mean and and we owned that that industry jet was a machine to have but scott you 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 touched upon this two years in white ink uh, took DTG printing from being a novelty on white shirts to being a viable decoration method. Let's talk to us about white ink and and your your creation of that uh,
0: of that in a in an inkjet printer. Well, we actually tried, uh, you know, Michael, my son, very inventive. We tried, I think, Plastisol in an inkjet card because we had no idea about inkjet. We were kind of new to that, although we sold rips before we sold the T-jet, so we understood. Inkjet on film, and we understood inkjets, and we and the technical issues and head clogging, and we knew about stuff like that. But we were trying to figure out at that time. I think Mamaki was doing a, a discharge ink yeah. in a inkjet cartridge, uh, and it you know it clogged and stuff, and it was the wrong way to go. I thought because you have to have the right shirt; it has to be a dischargeable shirt, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, so. I remember, you know, I used to go back and see DuPont all the time in Wilmington because I was became one of their bigger customers in their little tiny inkjet division. So I wasn't a big customer in DuPont overall, but in their inkjet division, I was a big customer and buying tons of ink. And I remember just being in a meeting and and every time I go back there, I'd say, you know, what we really need is white ink. And there was this one meeting where a guy in the meeting was a guy named Scott Ellis. And Scott was one of the chemists and a nice guy. And uh, I'm, I'm telling them, you know, we need white ink. And I remember them telling me, we, you will never see white ink probably in your lifetime. Because it was, to them, it was just, you just couldn't ink yet white ink. And I'm going, but, you know, y- you guys are DuPont. You're the kings of this kind of technology. You have all this stuff. you got to be able to figure this out. And that's uh, not going to happen. Uh, but if we could do it. <laughs> <laughs> How big is that market? I said, well, it's nothing right now, but it's going to be huge. You know, well, you know, we don't want to talk white ink. We want to talk CMYK. I said, you know, I can buy CMYK from Roman Haas. I can buy ink from other sources. I want to talk about white ink because I thought you figured you blew me off. We don't want to talk about white ink, Scott, you know. And so the meeting ends. I go home and Scott calls me. Scott Ellis says, you know, they don't want to put any money into R&D. They don't want to invest in this thing, uh, but I've been thinking about it and I think we can make it off the books. He says, but they'll have to pre-treat the shirt. And I'm like, oh, crap. A screener will never want to spray a pre-treatment on a shirt. I know my customers. They're going to hate it. And I thought at that point, well, we'll figure it out down the road. What are we? 20 years later, we're still pre-treating shirts. But I, you know, I remember him telling me, I think we can do it and I'm going to work up some stuff and I'm going to send you some stuff in the next couple of days uh, and you can test it. And you guys were there. You guys were there. We get it in, we put it in a, in a head, a refillable cartridge. We make a print and it's gray, but it's gray, you know, (laughs) we could see it. It it was a color. It wasn't totally white then. And uh, we're like, and he says the pre-treat and we went out, we put it in these like spray perfume bottles. We didn't know how to put a pre-treat on, you know, we're
3: just spraying. You had had me
0: screen print pre-treat on a shirt. (laughs) I probably did. Yeah. We were trying everything. This was the, this was the wild West. You know, we were the first guys there. And, but, but we knew if we got gray, we could get white because you could go over it more than one time. I think it was probably Mike Fresner, you know, saying, well, let's just, let's, let's, let's print it again. You know, let's rewind the machine and print it again. And that's where And we'll print it again. And so, at that point, though, then we decided we needed a rip because before that, if you recall, we were just using the Epsom driver. We were turning up yep. the, the dense the saturation and we didn't have a rip. And I'm thinking, oh, they're gonna hate a rip. You know, because we knew our T rip customers, fast rip, who sometimes struggle with computer technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know, we contact Cadlink and Dave Evans flew out. If you recall, David camped out at our place there's a party animal for you i think you and dave terry went without to party
3: yeah yeah i made the mistake of going out with those guys in germany oh my god those guys (laughs) can drink beer
0: anyway so 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 dave comes out and uh you know, because they can open up the floodgates. Epson lets you under the hood really open up the floodgates and really flood it with a lot of ink. And so Dave came out, and we knew we had to have a rip because you have to print twice. You have to print the whiting first and then rewind the machine and print the colors. We had to have something that would do that because the average guy would not figure that out. So Cadleic made a rip for it. and uh, But in the beginning, uh, DuPont says you can't show it. We, we've applied for a patent, and you can't show it at a show. I vividly remember 2006 Dallas ISS show. September 16th i it's one of those dates you know that will live in infamy and we had white ink in the machines and DuPont's going you cannot show this but we, we are, were working really hard to be able to get an approval and the morning of the show opened DuPont calls me and says we got our provisional patent you can show it awesome. and i'm thinking this is a date that will that will change the industry we didn't know as you guys know that we were stepping into a pile of doo-doo because <laughs> the white ink would clog the head and we, we replaced lots of heads and we, mistakes were made. I know there's people that were pissed off at us because it clogged their head. And, uh, but now everybody's has white, but we were the first, you know, I remember cornite at the first, uh, I, uh, SGI show when we first showed the machine cornite was the only one there besides us. It was us and cornite cornite was $180,000. We were $11,000 who the hell sold the most machines <laughs>
3: <laughs> at, at exactly. SGI
0: in Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah. but Courtneyet was teasing, we're gonna have white. Well, they didn't have white for for a long time. And yeah. you know no matter what guys like Matt Rome say, <laughs> I get that one in. Uh, we were the first ones to have white ink. And, yeah. uh, and we sold the heck out of it and, uh, it changed the industry and now everybody's got white and now it's become DTF and, you know, yeah.
3: well, Scott, I'm going to repeat something. You said 1000 times, we weren't on the cutting edge. We were on the bleeding edge. We were, we were, yeah. we made a lot of
0: money, but, uh, but we, we replaced a lot. And then we got bad ink from DuPont once we changed and got some ink from Roman Haas once some white because they figured it out too. And it clogged heads and, uh, yeah, it, we thought we had found nirvana. We actually found a little bit of hell but we paved the way for people that then had to learn about maintenance and humidity levels and things that, that we never worried about with the, with the uh, with just the colors the CMYK you know but but it became a big deal the maintenance and no matter what we would tell people even today if you go into the DTG groups there's always people complaining about you know having to maintain the machine Back then, we would tell them when we'd sell the machine, you have to maintain it. You need to maybe do a print once a day, even if it's just one shirt, have the right humidity levels. They wouldn't do it. We'd get machines in, as you guys know, for, uh, for repair, and they would swear they maintained the machine. And the friggin' head and the ca- capping station would just be clogged yeah. with white and colors. I swear I maintained the machine. And so we paved <laughs> the way for people that, you know, to really know that you need to, if you're going to buy one of these, well, Terry, you, you sell these machines now still, you know you need to talk about maintenance and about, you know, it's not going to be like screen printing where you can walk away from your plastic saw and come back the next day. Well, yeah. Yeah.
3: And and, you know, Scott, even today, and and my, my secret sauce is going to be about, about uh, maintaining humidity, but even today people buy machines and no one ever tells them, about humidity or, or temperature i don't get it yeah you
0: think 20 years later that it would be yeah. the the mantra you know that this is what you have to do and i'm not going to sell you a machine unless you do this but that doesn't seem to, i don't know it's it's i, it's I do weird.
3: get to keep telling that story though over and over again so
0: you know <laughs> Terry's
1: about, so. <laughs> it's one of his eight stories um
0: <laughs> well we went from doing Five hundred thousand a year. U.S. screen with just a few people. You guys and what we have—a uh, receptionist and we had uh, a uh, shipping. Uh, uh, what's her face? I can't. remember, yeah, Cheryl. Her name. And she, Cheryl sub- shipping yeah. sure. and Mike and myself and Pat and you know, we had, and Bob. It was, we had a very small company of what eight or nine people. Yeah. Yeah. And then we then we started selling film in the rip. And then we got we had to get a few more people. And yep. then we moved to the we bought the building, uh, twenty five thousand square foot building, and uh, had to get a few more people. And we went from then to a, a million dollars a year to in the next year, 10 million in yep. sales. Like I say, you guys were there to yep. 18 million. And then in 2006, I think it was, we did uh, 21 million. Uh, Eric, r- bring up the picture of the Ink Magazine. We were the Ink Magazine's 12th fastest growing manufacturer in 2007 for, for the, for the year of 2006. And we were their 537th fastest growing company, uh, in ink magazine. That's a, that's a picture. Terry and Aaron are buried. There's, so there's Terry holding on the. Terry, sign I'm frame. actually
1: not in that picture, Scott. I was in Germany with uh Gruner. I mean, we didn't at their open house. I was not in this
0: picture. We didn't Photoshop you in. Cause there's a couple of people that are Photoshopped into that. picture. So we grew real fast and, uh, And we crashed and burned real fast. You know, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. And then the economy turned. You know, I mean, if you all recall, some of you guys were were there in 2009,
1: 2008, you
0: know, the economy kind of turned. We got into trouble because we were always afraid somebody's going to sneak up on us and make the better machine. You know, I mean, we had the DuPont uh, machine that would do 400 shirts an hour. Eric, can you show the the, the T-Jet Pro? That thing would do. You guys were there. When yep. we got it in, uh, yeah. would do 400 shirts an hour, but it was before it's time. And the problem was the white ink was too expensive. You know, the average high volume printer would never want to spend a buck or a buck and a half on just the white ink for a shirt. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
1: But it was, I mean, it's funny because you, you know, we were just at printing United and brothers got this machine that to me looks exactly like the T.J. Pro.
3: Exactly. <laughs> 20, exactly.
0: 15 years later, you know, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, good stuff. I remember talking to Rich Hoffman and saying, I know we got, I know we're running out of time, no, we're it. good, we're good, yeah. telling Rich Hoffman that, uh, uh for R, that uh, we could we, we need to make a machine we could go together make a machine that you could roll up to an uh, automatic press uh, you know uh, uh, whatever and and rich gone nah, i have no interest in that yeah, that was and i don't think i think he was telling the truth then but he probably thought i'm not going to get in business with scott fresner he's going to want to run this thing <laughs> <laughs> and now you know I, I was just so thrilled when i went and saw the first digital squeegee i thought yes at least somebody did it you know yeah. And they had Always the idea good, that, that you can print the base using either a water base or a, a high solids plastisol or a water base ink, and it's going to be way cheaper than white inkjet ink. And that would that would that that's that was kind of the the salute. In fact, this shirt I'm wearing, by the way, for my band was yep. printed by Pete Balsani on his digital squeegee. And I called oh, up Pete. I thought Pete, you owe me a favor. <laughs> <Catching> <laughs> this I need some shirts for my band. And I thought it would be ironic that that he would. In fact, he printed. I don't know if you guys remember this this picture. This was the uh spider oh, drawing. Yes. Oh yeah. I remember that. Absolutely. Well, this is from Pete and he it's off the digital squeegee. I mean, what a great looking print. It's bright, it's great. It feels like plastic a little bit, but you know, I, to me, I was just thrilled that we didn't do it. You know, we were we were probably could have done it had we not gone out of business. Uh but uh somebody did it. And now it's you know, you go to the shows and what do you see? Everybody's doing yep. higher volume stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, Scott. So we've this yeah i knew we could reminisce we all knew we could reminisce for a long time here uh obviously been a part of tons of earth-shattering stuff and and changing our industry and everybody uh, appreciating that but um i guess from dtg the separations the classes what what's your prediction for what's next where 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 are we
0: heading here i didn't see the dtf thing coming so that kind of caught me off guard because i wasn't quite i mean i saw it and people were talking about it a few years ago and, and i thought ah, that's stupid you're still inkjetting. you're still going to have head clogs you know you still and if you recall maybe you don't remember because you guys were not with me when we sold supplies. we used to sell the powdered adhesive to put on the back of a plastisol transfer that was a big sure. deal and we 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 thought people would think we're selling cocaine because it was you know this powder in a can yep. you know yeah and uh we sold the hell out of it, it was just ground up hot melt glue And we sold the hell out of that when I was, I used to be in the supply business. We were selling Union, we were one of Union Inc.'s biggest dealers. And uh, I mean, we, that was a whole business for us. We made equipment and stuff. So I I didn't, I didn't see that. I think we're going to see the digital squeegee, though, continue and get more affordable for the smaller guy, you know, where it's going to be, you know, more affordable. But who knows what DTF is going to do? You know, it looks like DTF has grabbed the market by the, by the, you know, what's and, and, you know, so it's crazy stuff.
3: You know, Scott, I think the speed of DTF, um, DTF development was based on all the things that we figured out with DTG, you know, mm-hmm. in back in the day. And so when DTF came along, all right, we've been down this road before. And yeah, here's yeah. how we resolved it. So, yeah. Yeah. and you're right about the adhesive. I I tell people all the time, this is the same stuff I used four years ago in my screen printing shop.
0: Of course, yeah, we sold the hell out of that stuff. We would buy it by the 55 gallon drum and put it in these little cans and sell it for like 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Another one of those things where we're going, this is great, the cost is a buck. Like pre-treatment, you know, Terry, you remember when we, we, when we sold a lot of ink and we made our own pre-treatment because DuPont uh, had it, gave us a license where we, could pay, we paid him $2 a gallon. I think the pre treat costs a dollar a gallon in chemicals, but what's pre treat sell for? You know, I don't know what sells for it's now, but 58, 59, 60 <laughs> <a> gallon. <laughs> no, that's the up. business we should have stayed in was just selling pre treatment. You know? Yeah, there you go.
1: Well, well, Frank actually, Frank Good, uh, Join us says good morning just jumped on so sorry if it's already been asked but what is scott's view on dtf today compared to the early days of dtg i know you said that dtf kind of but but yeah how do you feel
0: like i'm probably a snob i and it's just me i I don't like the feel of it but 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 i see that people ignore that to me it feels like a transfer and it's so funny because i came out of the transfer business and so you know people complained about the the feel so i probably i'm a snob but i see that everybody's doing it so you know i'm okay with that uh I'm sure that people still have the same head clogging issues and stuff like that. They got to deal with the powder, maybe yeah. a little bit of powder flying around the shop. Uh, but I probably don't like the feel. I'm probably a screen print snob. I like that. Um, yeah. No, I, you, I, you know,
3: Scott, and, and I talk to people all the time and it's the screen printers, the old screen printers like us yeah. who, who don't like the feel of it and, and complain about it. Here's my thought though. The end consumer was much more quickly to accept it than we yeah. as decorators
0: yeah yeah i think i agree with you i think that i i shouldn't be that way because i know it works on on performance wear and stuff that that screen printing is it's not not very friendly for bleeding and stuff so i get it i just you know i I, i've been to the shows and felt it and go gosh this is like old transfers yeah but then i feel old you know i I want i want i do want to share one quick i know i know we're no you're fine yeah we got plenty of time you know i'm 76 years old now and and as i'm getting older you know i like to joke i can still rock and roll but i saw a quote by Clint eastwood who said and somebody asked him he's 93 and it's somebody asked him how do you how do you stay young he says i don't let the old man in and that's my my <laughs> mantra and now terry you need to work on that i do need to I work on that up here <laughs> and you know i can still be i can still rock and roll i'm still active uh but i don't want i don't want the old man to say well that dt dt dtf sucks you know i want to be progressive and accept it you know i don't want to let the old man tell me i oh, yeah, that's stupid nobody's gonna like that it's gonna die off you know
3: yeah. get off my lawn right yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but, so
3: speaking uh, of rock and roll I think uh, U.S. Screen is the only place I ever worked that had a soundproof band room, and I, and and I'm really proud of Aaron and myself because on the job application, do you play an instrument? We said no, and we still got jobs. You got yeah, the that jobs. was amazing.
0: Yeah, you were there when we doing. moved. You Good. were there when we moved from Rockford to the to the building on Fifth. Yep. Yeah, and and we we looked at the building, and it used to be uh, they used to make. Uh, motors for like air conditioning systems and airplanes so they had a soundproof room where they would test the motors and i i remember this building was twenty five thousand square feet on two and a half acres but they had this room that was probably i don't know 30 by 30 or something maybe a thousand square feet i'm going in and mike and i my son are looking at each other going the band room (laughs) (laughs) it was so people used to always that would apply for a job would always laugh because i would put in the ads if you play an instrument it would be really cool and then people knew from those ads looking for employees this is a cool company yeah Yeah. i want to work there and so people that would call say i want to come for an interview i don't play an instrument (laughs) but it sounds great and i used to walk around if you recall the few the people that were in the band and kind of go uh, it'd be like smoking cigars terry you and i know that we would i'd walk around and go up I go out for a smoke. (laughs) I had a big humidor in my office and you and I and some of the people in the back thought, this is so cool. Yeah. Remember we used right to cook we used to, we used to barbecue steaks on the weekend. We had the yep. we had people thought we were the coolest company. But I walk around and go and I want to practice. <laughs> and we go to the band room and we play for we played for some of the industry stuff, you know, we yeah. we had a good time and so yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yes. I don't think many places have a band room by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It was hey.
3: awfully cool working there, man. I, I loved working there. It was uh, it was such a great experience. But tell us what you're doing now with the in your spare time. Hold that short. Uh, what I'm air. doing now,
0: I mean, I do steps every day. So people, the, 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 the rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, I do SEPs every day. So I'm every day in the trenches. I kind of hate it because I'm in Photoshop. I think I'm going to die. You're going to see me slumped over with a mouse in my hand, uh, you know, uh, because that's what I do every day. And it's, it's getting a little boring actually. Uh, but I do talk to screeners every day. And so I'm still active. I just don't write articles anymore. And, and anyway, so, uh, I played in. in the, I told you in, in the early days. I played rock and roll, and I had one of the one of the hottest bands. We played at a teen club called the Fifth Estate. Uh, we we opened. My band was an opening band for them, the Love and Spoonful. These are bands wow. of my era, and uh, we were the opening act. We even opened for Sonny and Cher. <laughs> wow. I'm beating myself. Uh, <laughs> but then I got married, and I had the recording studio, and I kind of moved on and decided I need to have a regular job, and so I moved on, got out of the bootlegging, of course, and moved on. And, uh, but every time I go to a bar or a concert, I go, I want to start playing again. And so when I turned 50, uh, I bought a bass. It's all about the bass. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I love I, it. <laughs> I bought a bass. Uh, but uh, we had the company band, and then the company closed, and I didn't play for a while. And so, bottom line is about, Five years ago, I, I told Pat I'd I really like to start playing again, but I didn't want to play in a bar band playing every weekend. And tribute bands are really trendy right now. I My band is a Pink Floyd band, and tribute bands are really trendy. And so I said, I want to form a Pink Floyd tribute band. And she always up Pink Floyd music with stoner music. And so I always joke that that my wife now loves Pink Floyd, but but a lot of people, you know, were not into it. Uh, i just going to form a Pink Floyd tribute band. have a, Have a little fun. You know, we'll play out. And you know me, I, I I can't let it lie to not go all balls out. Yes. Go big. You know, and so my goal was to do a Pink Floyd band that had a stage show because it's all about the show with Pink Floyd band. You don't really dress up, although I dress up, Eric, toss up the picture of me and my uh, I dress up as a la Roger Waters. That's me Uh that's so and awesome. my leather coat. And women love a man in a leather coat. <laughs> <laughs> but that's. That's me on stage, uh, you know, in the band. So we don't really dress up. It's about the music, but we have a complete uh circle trust. We have lights. Eric can toss up the picture of my band if you can. I and mean, we do a full stage show. And wow. and we are really a good band. If you like this topic, go to shineonfloyd.com and watch some videos. I mean, we, but it's a lot of work. But it reminds me, as I said earlier, so much of, of work in the trade shows. We, I have a seven by 14 foot trailer that is full of Trusses and lights, and I own it all. Pat and I own the band basically. And we get to a performing arts center, which is all we play. We started out playing bars and playing local places where we'd all have to fit eight of us on a stage. Uh, to now, all we do is big performing arts centers. We show up to a venue and uh, unload the trailer just like a trade show. And we get all hot and sweaty just like a trade show. Then we got to get pretty and look good and play for two or three hours. And then we got to tear it all down the same night you know and load the trailer and yeah, uh it's uh it's been it's it's rewarding cuz in my case I'm an old guy to look out and see guys my age in the zone listening to comfortably numb or listening to the, we play the whole album dark side of the moon listening to it and you can tell you've taken them back yeah to a moment in time you know when they were younger and it's just to me it's so rewarding and so uh, it's it's my it's my release. So I like the joke. I can still rock and roll. Yes. You know. And I worried about that. You know, I worried like, well, can I get on stage and do two or three hours? Yeah, it's no big deal. You know. And after setting up all day and stuff, so mm-hmm. when you're doing what you love, exactly that's right. True. I think yeah. I'm going to be able to come and see you in Tallison. Yes, uh, Tallison, December sixteenth. Anybody that's in the Phoenix area, let me know. I got we we if we get one more one more quick story. Yeah. Most bands rely on the local bar business and most bands that pl- play a bar make 500 bucks that they're making 500 bucks when i was playing back back in the 60s and 70s 100 bucks a member and so you know i didn't want to do that so most bands rely on on just they don't market and you know you guys know me i'm a good yep. marketer yep I, I go all out i discovered a few years ago that you can rent performing arts centers for a thousand dollars fifteen hundred dollars you sell tickets for 30 bucks a ticket and you sell 500 seats it's easy math and so i discovered early on that you can rent these places so we rent most of the venues we play at pat and i rent them we have to we put up the deposits we do all the marketing we sell the tickets but bands don't do that Hmm. most bands rely on a club saying hey i'll have you guys next friday and i'll pay you 500 bucks you know and they bitch about all the bookers don't don't contact me well screw the bookers we bypass the booker. Oh, we have a booker that does that does book us for some gigs, and some of the gigs are great. We even played the Cow Palace. Those, Terry, you're you're an old guy. The Cow oh, yeah. Palace <laughs> is the iconic place. And some guy calls me out of the blue because he saw our YouTube videos and saw the website. I need a Pink Floyd band for a tribute show at the Cow Palace. Are you, hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? The Cow Palace. And so we even played the Cow Palace at a huge tribute show. And we were that it was the show was the theme was bands that had played there. The tributes were for bands that had really played there. Pink Floyd played there. We're in the green room and there's a picture of the Beatles. And it says the Beatles were in this room. We're touching the wall, you know, <laughs> so going to cool. the shower in our green room. And it says Elvis showered here. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Anyway, so That's it's been so cool. uh, my release. It's my, uh, I like to joke because, you know, I, the company's gone. I like to joke. It's my third act It's Scott 4.0, you know, and, uh, exactly. you know, so I'm having a good time, but I think <laughs> everybody needs that kind of release, you know, yeah. in the, so there you have it. So you're going to come see one of our shows. And Aaron, if you're never in town, anybody watching this show, this from Phoenix, let me know. Shineonfloyd.com.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's Check cool. that out. And and when I get back there, yes, I will make sure to make it make a show. That would be uh, amazing for me. So
0: You'll uh, enjoy it. You'll enjoy uh, it. I, I will.
1: I will. I will. I, I I love the music to begin with. And then getting to watch you do what you love. Uh, yeah, it really means a lot to me, too. So.
0: Well, our audience is actually a mix of guys my age, you know, guys, Aaron, your age, who, who know the songs and I've heard it because if you look, if you listen to like any classic rock radio, there's, you can get in your car and boom, there's a, there's a Floyd song playing, you know, yeah. and whether you like Roger Waters politics or not, I, I always hope that that wouldn't affect us. You yeah, but people kind of bypass that, figuring the music is great, whether they like Roger Waters uh, on his personal side or not, doesn't matter because the music is timeless. You know, Dark Side of the Moon has been out for 50 years. Yeah, who who'd have thought? You know,
1: it is. Crazy. I know, and it, it's it amazing. Music, so. <laughs> I know. I know.
0: Oh, uh, wonderful.
1: <laughs> well, Scott, this has been incredible uh, as as advertised. So, thank you so much for your time today, and and I can't wait to. Uh, do this again we, we need to make this a more regular thing
0: we should we should i listen thank you guys you know i always enjoy you know i can talk forever you guys know that uh, yeah. but i've enjoyed talking and reminiscing it's fun to listen to think back to the times and i think we all made a mark on the industry you know we yeah. left our mark which i think in life you, you need to feel like you've touched people or touched yeah. something yeah. and maybe you left a mark and i think that that the company left a mark and there's probably people that are pissed off that would that they bought a t-jet and never worked right for them and i don't think that's changed terry you sell these machines you probably still have, have a few people than that 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 terry combs guy sold me this machine. maybe i'm wrong now
1: get <laughs> <T-jet> three <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, if
3: idea.
0: you
1: know you
3: know out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Scott, I, I, i've been looking forward to this for the last two months knowing that you're going to come on it's been uh great having you reminiscing and uh Man, we've had some good times, and and I'm going to be seeing you in December.
0: We'll smoke cigars too. Perfect, <laughs> love it. yeah. <laughs> All right, Bye, guys. Scott. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it. All, All right.
3: right. Wow. Well, I could. Uh, we could have done an eight-hour program yeah. there i kept thinking of things that i wanted to bring up i'm like no nope, no nope, no nope. sure it's gonna be too long you can't tell that story or that story or that story
1: yeah well we'll we'll do it again that's the great part about this Absolutely. right we, every friday we're here so let's uh, do it again <laughs> um <laughs> terry i know that we're into bonus time well into bonus time but we still got some great stuff so you guys thanks for hanging in there um and, and obviously everybody wanted to hang in there because they, they what a great conversation but um i don't want to leave without talking about the reggie's here too right yeah. we, we got secret sauce everybody's gonna stay around for that but the reggie's man they're they're happening it's hot and heavy right now this is the last week next week we're going to be announcing the nominees and and we yeah. will go through and and share everybody that made the that that was nominated whether they make the voting or not so it's an opportunity to recognize everybody that's made an impact on you all, all of these great comments in here right that, that's what we're trying to do like who's impacted you who who can you say thank you to like scott right and and so um that's what the reds are all about uh terry you just want to kind of take turns going back and forth on the categories here real quick is that yeah absolutely easy?
3: i'll start uh first category 2023 fresh impact product award yeah we're going um, to yeah no if you want, uh, we can yeah, just uh, new product uh yeah. that that had an impact on the industry over the past year and uh, something that has not been nominated before
1: yeah, there you go. Awesome. Um, so the next category is the 2023 customer care spotlight award. And this is really just an opportunity to recognize companies that, uh, put their customers first, right? Maybe there's an individual there that you want to recognize. It's kind of that customer. We, we just call it the customer service award. So we've just, we've just shined up the categories a
3: little bit to make them a little more, uh, uh, Fun, right? So, <laughs> yeah. all
1: right. What's the next category, Terry?
3: Uh, the 2023 Industry Education Excellence Award. We kind of combined a couple of different ones. Uh, this is for somebody who teaches seminars or classes, podcasts, blogs, video channels, uh, virtual events. So, uh, w- combined uh, the basically the best education uh, source out there.
1: Yep. Yep, definitely. Okay, next category is twenty twenty three Decorators Hub Trade Show Award. This is the that industry trade show. Where where, where did you go this year in twenty twenty three that uh, just left an impact on you and your business, and whether that's through the education there, whether that's through the the, the networking, the people, right? So. Um yeah, just that that trade show award. So glad that we have that back, Jerry, after
3: uh yeah, COVID. Me we too. Matt, to talk about that. Glad <laughs> that we can have a few people that can be nominated for that again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, the uh, 2023 rising star award. This is for somebody under 40 uh who's uh who's making waves and making an impact in the industry. I have a birthday in four weeks, so I guess I'm going to be out of this. Just, just just missed
1: it, Terry. (laughs) 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 Maybe like, yeah, I feel okay. Anyhow, I'm not going to say go there. All right. 20 to next one, 2023 women's voice awards. Uh, This is for that person, uh, Woman, whoever, somebody that's you know making a big difference in raising awareness and and just boosting the profile of women in the garment decorating field. Uh, I I remember at Printing United getting to be there for the Screen Printing Magazine and the Big Picture Women in Garment Decorating or Women in Screen Print Awards and then the Women in uh, Print Awards and and so it's it's great to see that and we want to recognize those people as well through the the Reggie program here, Terry.
3: Absolutely. Uh, The next one is the 2023 Two Regular Guys Podcast Guest Star Award. So it's kind of hard to think back how many great guests we've had. But if you're trying to decide, you can go through the archives on the Two Regular Guys website and it'll just kind of give you a list of all the different people. You can just kind of
1: keep going back through. You've got got them all the way back there and can see you know, and Scott's on that list as well, right? So (laughs) we keep adding new ones on there. If you've already put your nominations in, you want to change that, you can go back and and nominate again. It'll just go over the the top of what you've already put in there. So um, feel free to do that. And then the the last one, this is kind of our best actor, actress, best picture award, if you're thinking Academy Awards, right? But this is the 2023 Industry Ambassador Award. So just that individual who's, just represents our industry, both, you know, inside kind of making changes inside the industry, but just how they, um, go about their business, right? So it's to celebrate the person who elevates others and, and demonstrates positivity, leadership, and, and integrity. So, uh, that's one of my favorite awards to be able to, to give out to folks. And, and uh, I think excited to see who people uh, come up with this year for that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so after the uh, secret sauce in a moment, you guys can go over there. Uh, Eric's got it on the screen for those who are tuning in live, but two forward slash Reggie's and make sure that you start nominating. Uh, here's a couple of the quick rules before we get to the secret sauce here, Terry. Uh, just we, we want you to take some time with this. Not This is not about just going and saying, oh, I got this one person and we all are part of their Facebook group and we're just going to put this one person in there. Right? You need to nominate at least five of the eight categories. Um, and then we also, to kind of encourage a wider range, this is about kind of for everybody to see who's out there and who they can look to and, and whatnot. So uh, we limit nominations to a maximum of two uh, per category. So if somebody has been nominated uh, in all three categories, just wherever they're the top three nomination getters are top two nomination getters. They'll only be in those categories and then we'll bring somebody else up in the other category. So um, those are the main things. And then, uh, yeah, we do close this up November 9th, which is next Thursday, a week, uh, a little less than a week from now at 5 PM central time. This is a hard date. It's, <laughs> We've said this over and over again, and every year I get an email. Some years I get a thousand emails, <laughs> and we don't change it, so we we hold true to that. So, so anyhow, and then next Friday, Terry, we're gonna announce the nominees. So we're excited about that for sure.
3: Yeah, that'll be a great show. And uh as we always say, we're gonna. Look forward to meeting a lot of new industry friends through that uh, through these awards.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, Terry, real quick, what do you got coming up here on uh, the Terry's Big Book of Travels?
3: Yeah, absolutely. My complete screen printing business course. I'll be at Workhorse Products in Phoenix, January 13th and 14th. Uh, I'll be at Atlas Screen Supply in Chicago, March 9th and 10th. Uh, I'm going to be in the Equipment Zone booth in Long Beach for Impressions Expo, January 19th through 21st. And you can find all my upcoming events at uh, terrycombs.com. How about you, Aaron?
1: Excellent. Yeah. Um, Just want to shout out to the OSG live program. Uh, we've had uh, six episodes now, and uh, it's a collaboration with Tanya Deutscher, my wife, Kylene Montgomery, Becky Kotzer, and myself, and we just, uh, we dig into a lot of different segments there of of what it means to be a small business owner. So, but everything from your mindset, we've got Wellness Toolbox, where we explore the power of gratitude, we celebrate wins together, and and uh, just try to bring you information that'll help you take your business to the next level. So you can tune in live at uh, liveosg.com, And uh, every Wednesday morning it's bright and early 7 AM central time, but then you can go back and watch the recordings anytime and make sure that you jump in the comments there. If you are watching the recordings of those, I we've been getting lots of great feedback about all the wonderful information we've been able to share. And I'm learning so much from those three amazing women that are, are participating with me. So, um, and then as far as Eric has coming up here, Terry, he's got uh, the take up episode 173, sequencing tabs and 3D. So in this episode, Eric is going to follow up on some of the Q&A, the user questions about how to run connected script from right to left without that ugly out of sequence tails. You know what we're talking about here, right, Eric, uh, Terry, in, in embroidery, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, no, but uh, it's always so good stuff, and uh, so out of sequence stuff and then more about cheating the sequence. I, he put that in quotes, so I want to make sure that we have that. Uh, so you you definitely want to join tune in live at 2:30 mountain time today to ask questions and share. Uh, you can go over to ericcampbell.com and uh, that's eric with an h e r i c h campbell.com and click the take up tab at the top so you can go back and see all of the episodes all 172 before or if you want to join in the live one uh, just uh, go there to ericcampbell.com. Also, uh, I've announced here, this is awesome, Eric will be teaching uh, the Embroidery Technique Toolkit Workshop with Justin Armenta and Joe Kramer at the Impressions Expo in Long Beach, California. So if you would like to learn how to break the rules, create elevated 3D puff embroidery and captivate customers with specialty stitches, this is your class. And so you can join all three of those amazing teachers there for uh, this session. And there'll be plenty of Q and A and office hours. And that's happening on January 18th out there at the Impressions Expo in Long Beach. So make sure you get over there and sign up for that.
3: so, I'm guessing breaking the rules has nothing to do with bootlegging like every uh every guest we have from the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> there could I don't know. No, I think uh with Joe coming from where he comes from, Abercrombie and Fitch, that there's there's no copyright violations going on there. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh but that's going to be great. Eric along with those guys, I mean, talk about three of the smartest guys in the room. Uh it'll be it'll be fantastic. So, um all right, Terry, we've all been waiting for the secret sauce here um so why do you keep asking me about my humidity are you ready? ready
3: why do you keep asking about my humidity when decorators buy a dtg or dtf printer the sales rep rarely mentions humidity and it might be the most important component for ongoing success when you call a company for support though The first question you hear is, what's the humidity level in your room? DTG and DTF printers all use water-based ink applied through an inkjet printhead. If the humidity in your room is too low, the dry air in the room is seeking water. Where better to find the water than in your water-based ink? If you have clogging issues, it's often due to low humidity. Another red flag is your printer goes through unscheduled head cleanings. Nearly every time you see a post on the Internet about excessive automatic head cleaning, the this, this issue is humidity. Commonly, an inkjet printer will go through an automatic head cleaning <clears throat> Excuse me, every uh, five to six hours, depending on what machine you have. If your printer goes through these unscheduled automatic cleanings every hour or so, it's more than likely due to low humidity in the room. In a low humidity environment, your print head will overheat. How do you cool a printhead? With water, the water from your water-based ink. The printer will do an automatic but unscheduled cleaning to cool the, uh, the printhead. Uh, that's valuable ink straight into the waste tank with time and dollars lost. It's, it's not the ink. It's not the pre-treat. It's not the brand of, of machine. It's nearly always low humidity. For ideal ongoing performance, uh, locate your printer in an environment with normal office temperature and 40% plus humidity. It, and this is true of all direct-to-garment and direct-to-film printers. If your production floor doesn't allow for this environment, anticipate print head issues. There's no fix other than a proper environment. So here's what you do. Buy a $10 hygrometer from Amazon. A hygrometer reads the humidity level in the room. So if your humidity level is below 40%, buy an evaporative humidifier to run near your printer. Maintain a a proper environment will resolve most of your DTG and DTF issues. So that's my secret sauce for today. You're on mute, Aaron. Lo <laughs> siento. Thank you.
1: Uh, well, it was a good reminder, and I forgot to unmute myself. So I went over and grabbed my hygrometer. I, there you I gotta, go. On my, That's exact one I have. Yep. I gotta go turn on my you uh, humidifier there. I gotta go fill up
3: the tank. So. Uh, and, and you know, funny during during the the interview with Scott, he, he brought it up, brought up the, the humidity sure. thing. So perfect yeah
1: yeah all right well speaking of Scott Terry we just want to thank Scott for his time today thanks Scott for being here and and really just thanks Scott for everything he's done for the industry and for me personally I know he's done a lot for you too as well Terry but uh it, it, it was what a great conversation I've been looking forward to this too for a long time since we we knew he was coming on so uh
3: great show today Terry Absolutely. Uh, I, I could do that show every week and uh, and enjoy it. So yeah. we also want to thank uh, Eric Campbell for always keeping the production wheels turning on the two regular guys bus.
1: Yes. Uh, always does a great job. Got the pictures up, got with me pushing buttons too. You know, so I felt him slap my hand a couple of times, so it was well <laughs> worth it, but <laughs> uh, thank you, Eric. Really appreciate you very much, sir. Um, so next week, Terry, as we mentioned, we're going to be announcing all of the Regia nominees the clock is ticking. So make sure you get over there to tworegularguys.com forward slash Reggie's. Get your nominations in now. Uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to uh, tabulating through those on Thursday night. And uh, uh, so looking forward to that next week, Terry.
3: Absolutely. Until then, I'm Terry
1: Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And that was the two regular guys. Here we go we're out (laughs) awesome thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys check out our website at tworegularguys.com that's the number two regularguys.com